Hey guys, it's Steve with UnashamedUnafraid.com, a blog unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Um, this is going to be our fourth episode of uh, anonymous questions that have been submitted. So we just have one question today, um, but I, th I feel like this is a big one in that it's a theme that I think a lot of us struggle with and, and uh, need to know about about serving Christ while struggling with addiction. And so uh, I'm here at the Rock Church here in Draper, Utah, uh, meeting with Pastor Josh. Josh, how are you? I'm doing good, Steve. How are you? So as I've said before, I always let people introduce themselves. So tell us about you. Yeah. Well, I was uh, born in Iowa. My dad is a pastor and I was raised in a Christian home. And my dad and mom, they love Jesus and they love each other. And so I was blessed to be born into a great home. And I grew up, and I remember when I was maybe 13 or 14, I still found some porn, some images that I shouldn't have seen. I remember that started in high school. I would consistently be trying to find stuff. It could be as benign as catalogs or magazines and whatever I could find my hands on and looking at it and masturbation. And that was kind of my pattern through high school and into college. And my parents, my dad would speak to me and go, hey, we shouldn't be doing this stuff. But it was kind of an awkward teenage conversation. And I was like, yeah, great. Yep. I know. <laughs> so when I went off to college, as God had it, my college pastor, he had been a huge sex addict guy and he had gotten recovery and he was just passionate about the men in our college group being oh, men cool. of purity. And so he, Very cool. he preached on it. He talked about just the good, the bad, and the ugly in his testimony. And God yeah. used his example and his life to really convict me of my sins of looking at pornography and masturbation. And I started to learn what it meant to be self-controlled through my college years. And I, I remember a defining moment was... I was a leader in our college group, and there was hundreds of college students. So leadership in a Christian perspective, yes. like a church setting. Yep. It was a college okay. church ministry. I was one of the volunteer student leaders. Okay, cool. And there's maybe 10 or 20 of us out of hundreds, and we were leading our little Bible studies. And they, we had an overnighter with the leaders, and our pastor, he, Steve, he said, Hey guys, we're going to do an anonymous survey just to see how we're all doing on what we've looked at and ironically like two days before i stumbled onto this playboy magazine and looked at it and send and i was like oh my goodness i felt exposed in that moment i felt like yeah. it was like this turning point am i going to hide it or am i going to like be real and confess it and so i remember as a leader trying to do what's right trying to follow jesus and lead this group i remember sure. i wrote like i looked at it yesterday I like walked up Scribble to Scribble the fast. I walked up to Steve and I said I said I blew it a couple of days ago and I like was crying and I I was like, Man, I sinned and I looked at this garbage and that was like a beginning of just not having secrets. And so I met my wife in the college group. We got married. Very cool. When I finished up my engineering degree, my wife and I moved from Colorado to Utah and I was working as an engineer. And I feel like by God's grace I learned sobriety and self-control as a single man. So it was looking at porn and masturbation was pretty consistent habit in high school. Well, and that's a good thing to bring up because we uh, often have the misnomer that once I get married, this wouldn't be a problem, right? right? Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm celibate before marriage, right, which a lot of Christian folks are, right, right, then it's when I get married, it won't be a problem. But yeah. 
P.S. If you haven't heard me a hundred other times already on the podcast, it's not. Yeah. Um, it's it's about you. It's an individual thing. Right. So it's great you bring that up. Yeah, I totally agree. I've counseled many guys in our church that, dude, marriage won't cure you. Mm-hmm. Your same brain, your same lust, your same desires are going to be in your marriage, in yeah. your mind. Yeah. But by God's grace, I was learning some of those good godly habits as a single man. And so I married my wife. And by God's grace, I haven't looked at porn or masturbated since I got married. The temptation is to be pure, to bounce your eyes, to watch your thought life. That has been sure. for eight. I've been married 18 years now. And Very it's a cool. daily battle to be wise with that. So Very cool. Yeah, um, it's the, it's a spectrum, right? Our our sexuality or sexual sin, it, it's not a one and done, right? I, I talk to a lot of men who enter recovery, and it's like I want to be recovered. Period. There's an end to this. Yeah. And um, there is, you can have a hundred percent sobriety and talk about that, right? Like you just did, and that's important. And I think God wants us to have that, but um, it, it doesn't mean your sexuality is fixed. Turns yeah. out we're all pretty fallen, and there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so tell us your kind of pastor. You were an engineer, part-time I a, pastor, I was a full-time right? engineer, and then I was a bivocational, like I was a volunteer pastor, a paid engineer for about five years. And now the last six, seven Here at the years, Rock. Here at the Rock. In the last six, seven years, I've been full-time pastoring for the Rock Church. Okay, and, and give us a brief on the Rock Church. The Rock Church was started about 19 years ago. Some A team of Christians moved from Colorado to Utah to plant the church, and it started out in one of my co-pastor Bill in his living room and it's grown from him and his wife to now eight nine hundred people on a weekend joining us for our services so. cool cool non-denominational non-denominational Christian church, Christian church. Box. okay yep yep okay very cool um so uh you will you will see why I chose Josh for our anonymous question as we read it so here's our anonymous question I am in a difficult position I lead a church and have for years and I've already battled sexual addiction at various levels for years. I was introduced to pornography by my older brother when I was eight. Thanks a lot. Um, if it wasn't your brother, it, wasn't someone, it would have been someone else. So um, don't be too hard on him. Uh, as in the case of so many stories, I win for a good while and then fall off the wagon. I know all the right answers, even biblical answers. I have accountability software on my computer, but sex addiction finds ways. And most reading this know what I mean. Um, yeah, that you you can't you can't be a dry drunk, right? You can't filter sexuality out of your life. So um, I think that's what he means. I've counseled scores of people on scores of biblical issues, although I purposefully haven't done much counseling in this area, referring to sex addiction. Um, all said, it's extremely difficult to find a community, a brotherhood, because of my position as a leader in his church, leader of his church. Um, I've been burned and betrayed in the ministry before and know the fine line I'm walking. Uh, as to become part of a 12-step type of group in the community, I can't imagine how that would work either. It's possible, of course, that nobody from my church would stumble in and find their pastor there. Maybe this is uh, unfounded paranoia, but it's real for me. That said, I desperately, all caps, guys got a good heart, want to get off this merry-go-round. I'm hoping... Being a part of a blog like this will at least help me get into a community of others. I hope so. Um, I'll be at line. We can understand my struggle and, and theirs. Before I close this out, let me say one more thing. I deeply love Christ and his church. I'm not purposefully and knowingly leading a double life. I know it's dead wrong, and I succumb and I deal with, uh, 
and I deal with it strongly when it happens. I just don't want this to happen anymore. Yeah. yeah. Boom. There's our question. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, this is a, a brothers of yours more specifically, right? He's, yeah. he's got leadership capacities in his church, right? Yeah. Um, you know, leads his congregation. Um, and, you know, he's stuck. Sounds like a great guy, yeah. um, which is most addicts, right? Super yeah. great guy, but has this addiction side of his life going on that he that he can't handle. So resources for him, advice, what yeah. would you say? Steve, a few things come to my mind. The, the first thing is I do think when you're in a position of spiritual leadership, you got to be wise about who you open up to. I thought of like a dad. If a dad was struggling with going bankrupt or an addiction or whatever, the dad should not turn to his kids and just unload his junk drawer on the kids. It would just be devastating or demoralizing. So I would tell that dad, you got to talk about your financial problems, your addictions or whatever, but don't unload on your kids. And when you're in a position totally. of spiritual leadership, you're kind of this shepherd who's caring for these men and women and children and their souls. And so yeah. I, I think there is wisdom in deciding What's my circle going to be? And so I, so that's point one. You got to be wise about who you talk to. But my second point is we got to talk like the, the scripture that comes to mind. The verse that comes to mind is James five sixteen. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So you may be healed. So it doesn't say confess your sins to God and then you'll be healed. It says confess your sins. Obviously, if we confess to God, we'll be healed. But there's something about telling your sins, your deep, dark secrets to a brother that God uses to get that out on the table. It's, it's both, right? Yeah. Yep, it's absolutely. both. And um, I'm, I, it sounds like he's being really honest with God. Yeah. Um, and I can say just from a, a recovery perspective and, and whether it's 12-step groups or therapy groups or a therapist or other church leaders I've talked to, I have yet in all my wanderings in sexual addiction land found one not even one person who said, I never really talked about it. I never told anyone, but right. I just yeah. I just sat down with God, manned up, and yeah, uh, good to go. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it's a key part, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, as James tells us, it's a yep. key part. So you, you got, there's some, somehow God has wired us so that when we get that dark secret out of our heart that and we tell a brother, there's healing, there's prayer, there's forgiveness that happens. You're right. All forgiveness comes from God. But God uses the brotherhood or the sisterhood, but you, he uses those relationships to bring healing into our life. So I, I, I feel his pain of like, man, I'm a leader. I'm responsible. Yeah. I don't want to blow people up. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to find a group that you can talk about. So I, at least here locally in Utah, there are networks of pastors that will get together for monthly or weekly accountability and support. And sometimes you'll have like a, a denominational leader or a regional mm-hmm. leader, or maybe it's a co-pastor. But I feel like you've got to find a trusted, godly brother and just get it all on the table. I, I feel like you, yep. otherwise James, I mean, that's the, that's the principle in James 5.16 is confess to find healing. So if we're like, I'm afraid I'm going to get fired, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job, and I'm not going to confess it to anybody, I, I feel like we're stunting that it rewind back to 20 years ago when I'm a college student and I looked at porn a couple of days before and they're like, here's this anonymous survey. I'm like, here we go. This is like, am I going to hide my sin or big invitation from God? Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to confess it to a brother. Yeah. And that was a pivotal moment for me. And as I look back on that, I go, that's where God started to help me develop some of these habits of self-control and purity. 
And, and I think I think there's two layers to what you're saying, and you can tell me what you think. I think there's just, you know, when people first come to me, I often refer them to 12-step, not because 12-step's my favorite, um, because I'm like, if you haven't told anyone, there's something really powerful about sitting in a room with like 10 other dudes who will admit they view porn. Right. Like, just saying, like, if you've never said it out loud to anyone, to be able to sit somewhere and be like, hi, my name's Steve, hey, Steve, and um, I struggle with pornography addiction. Everyone be like, me too, brother, good. Like, that's very de-shaming and helpful in itself. But um, just kind of an anonymous drop-off, right? Hey, here's all my garbage. Sweet, I've told someone, so I'm going to go back to my life in my context and deal with it alone doesn't work, right? So whatever he gets connected to, whether it's within his denomination, if there's kind of some structure, regional... Yeah. Group leader, or he, or he finds somewhere else. It, it, there's got to be something a little bit more consistent, right? Yeah. This yeah. can't be a, a one-time experience. Right. I think of again here in Utah, the networks of pastors from a variety of churches that will sit once a month or once a week and mm-hmm. talk about life and ministry and how they're doing. Like finding a trusted group like that. Nobody in that. If it's a good group, nobody's going to run to your church and out your sin. Everybody be there. Yeah, this is happening and that's happening. It's a place where you can find mutual encouragement. Yeah. I think that's the principle. Confess your sins. And I, I don't think I don't think it's unique to a pastor though. Because when I talk to guys and they're struggling with porn or even guys struggling with an affair, emotional or physical, like if I tell my wife, it's gonna blow up my life. I go, it may. Mm-hmm. But you cannot have this be a secret, dude. You have to tell your wife. You have to tell you have to get it out in the open. And if she divorces you and you lose everything, you know what, so be it. Because we want to be men of integrity and purity. And I think God is gracious. And I think he'll help us in those moments. And I've seen him help brothers that have exposed a secret. And their wife goes supernova. But they start working through it. And there's actual real healing and connection that happens on the other side of that. And um, I, I, will, I will quote NF, one of my favorite rappers. He's also a Christian. Um, where he says, you know, church is where I found God. But it's also where I learned to judge. And um, I get that's part of it, you know, so he shared his concern that he's right. like, I've been burned in the ministry before. Um, so I'll use the context of myself. So I'm, I'm LDS, right? So bishop, that's your congregational leader, right? So I always have people and I'm like, yeah, you should talk to your bishop, right? And I, I've heard the whole gamut, right? My bishop saved my life. He was the greatest guy. He battled for me. To My bishop was the worst. He shamed me. I've heard the whole gamut, right? Yeah. And, and. So what I would say is you you probably have been burned in the ministry before. That's probably true, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Christian's not the definition of being perfect. No. And I'm like, you. this could totally could happen. You may have gone to one of these pastor groups and had someone been really rude and really shaming. But that that doesn't mean it's all bad, right? right. I mean, that's yeah. like saying I ate pizza once and it was terrible. Yeah. So all pizza's bad. It's right. like, no, maybe just the pizza from that place was bad yeah. and maybe it was an off night. It's, right? Yeah, it's and like so, the proverbial baby with the bathwater. Like, totally. Being around godly brothers, getting godly counsel, confessing your sin, it's going to help us. And we live in a broken, fallen world with issues and people and drama. I, going back to my college story, this man who discipled me for seven, eight years impurity and self-control and sobriety and I learned all these incredible lessons through God through him he goes to plant a church in another place and he cheats on his wife and ruins his testimony like he like my mentor in he fell off the wagon and ruined his life and now it's been 20 years and it just galvanized my heart like he knew all the right stuff he lived it for a decade or two he preached it changed my life 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) He fell off the wagon, ruined his life, but not me by God's grace. Well, and this is a good way to wrap it around, right? Is um, it doesn't mean what he told you wasn't good. Right. And it doesn't mean he wasn't a good mentor to you yeah. in in your in your leadership in the right. church, right? He was awesome. Yeah. He just personally lost it, right? Yeah. Didn't didn't exercise faith, forgot about the grace, and so same thing. You know, his concern there's there could be financial concerns, yeah. right? There could be um, you know how he's viewed in the community with his family, and so there's all. Uh, so I understand to my anonymous question submitter, I can feel of your. Um, uh, fears kind of around all of this. Right. And, and I experienced that was in the congregational leadership at my church and we moved. And, and when I moved, uh, I had come out with everything and confessed my sin yeah. to my brothers. And, and in the LDS church, they'll do what they call a disfellowshipment where they'll ask, you know, not to serve for a while to just work on myself, right? right. And do that. So we show up to this new congregation Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, what was your last calling? And I'm like, oh, yeah, isn't this bishopric, guys in leadership? Everyone's like, oh, you're captain leader, you know? And my wife's sitting there just dying because she's like, nope, actually, they don't even want to, like, pray in a meeting right now because he's got a bunch of crap he's got to work out. So that, that kind of duality and feeling some embarrassment around that, some shame, I, I mean, I personally can relate to that. Yeah. But um, it, it's worth it, right? I yeah. mean, you, you have to be willing to make that change. And so just like that guy fell off, you know, uh, our anonymous submitter, right, um, your leadership, your counseling people, your prayer for people, like your whole life ministry isn't crap right? just right. because you had, yeah. you had this part, right? I mean, right? The, the verse that I, that I have to take encouragement in day by day as a pastor is our labor in the Lord is never in vain. Our labor in the Lord is never in vain. And I, when you have a dude that you've like put that. time and money and energy and love and he tubes out and wrecks his life. You can be like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time as a leader. Mm-hmm. I go, no, my labor in the Lord is never in vain. And so again, yeah, to this anonymous question asker, you go, dude, whatever you've done for Jesus, it's not in vain. Your faith-filled decisions to lead and teach and shepherd. But I think the root question, awesome. yeah, yeah, the root question is, do you want to be right? Do you want to f- get this like this toxic sin out of your heart and be right with the Lord? And part of that is confession. A trusted group of brothers that will love you and help you, but we can't have secrets. It chews us up. And, and, and he runs the risk that he could get burned in the ministry again. Yep. Sure, could yeah. happen. Um, runs the risk that he, you know, gets gets booted out of leadership in his church or moves. I mean, there could be dramatic life changes, but I, I think the only thing that I can, uh, you know, bear testimony to you about is, um, I've, I mean, I've seen a lot of men's stories. And... Um, God knows who you are, yeah. and, and you know if he if he loves you as a as a as a shepherd to his children and a leader in his church, there will he will find a place for you. Right, it will yeah. work out really good. I yeah. promise, and it yeah. will be it will be better than what you're doing right now. So whether that is you can stay in your community and 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 it, it kind of works out that way, and you can take care of this with you know, a brotherly group of, of leaders somewhere else, and, and that's the process, or whether it is you completely hit reset on everything. Um, no matter what happens, you know, God God's going to take care of you, Yeah. right? Yep, and God will not neglect. He will, yeah, God, it says in Psalms, I think, I've not seen the righteous forsaken. God is with us, man. He's going to help us through the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows. And, yeah, I, you got to believe that. I got to believe that. This guy's got to believe that. I've not foreseen, I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Like, I know God's going to help us through this. And 
Yeah. It could, everybody could be like, oh, yeah, dude, we're all struggling. Welcome to the club. Let's figure it out. Or he gets fired. You go, either way, I want to be right with God. I want, I want to get this crap out of my life. I want to confess it and find healing and get this out of my life. I'm going to do what's right and come what may, we'll deal with it. That's my perspective on it. Well, and, and I think what an opportunity, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think of, of Nicodemus, right? And I'll paraphrase, but he's feeling the word. And he comes to Christ and he's like, hey, I want in on this. Yeah. And he's like, cool, give everything in the world and follow me, mm-hmm. right? That's an invitation Jesus has issued before right. to many men. Yeah. And Nicodemus, right? He kind of wavers, right? Yeah. And Christ says, well, all right, you know. You, it's, you will not have this this fullness, and right. um, and I and I think that there's uh, the thing that I would say is for our question asker is you're thinking right now about what your wife is going to think, what the members of your congregation are going to think. You're thinking about everyone else um, right now, right? Yeah. yeah. But you've got to think about you. What you're doing right now doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You're not happy. Your yeah. life is not great. Yeah. You know, and then you have to ask yourself, what life does God have for you? Is this really it? Is this the God, you know, that you believe in, that you've borne testimony of to others, that you've seen work miracles? He wants you to be doing this, right? To be grinding. I mean, he said in his question, I, I want to get off the merry-go-round. Like, this merry-go-round, like, that, that's not God's making for you. Like, that's not what he wants yeah. for your life, right? Yeah. And to me, it's easy for all of us to compartmentalize our life and go, mm-hmm. I'm awesome here, I'm awesome here, I'm awesome here, and I suck here. And let's keep that door closed. And part of being that righteous, godly man that the Lord is refining and sanctifying is going, I'm going to open up this stinky, dirty room, and Lord, we're going to shine a spotlight in there. And, let you. and part of that is people got to know. People got to know that care about you, they got some teeth, they can like... Because I agree, the 12-step is an amazing first step, but I think there's like a... It's not just like drop in, drop out. It's like, no, these guys know me. And they know my life, and they're going to start holding my feet to the fire in an accountability perspective and a counseling perspective that is important. So, uh, and there's some, and there's some fears here, and I see a lot of other men um, that people. I've had a lot of church leaders say, "Oh yeah, I've had my struggles with this, right. but I don't, I don't talk about it because then I think people will like not trust me as a leader." Or, question that or whatever. So you're, you're pretty open about your story, right? I mean, yeah. I, I attended an event here a couple of years ago at the Rock Church and you were brutally honest that yeah, you, you, sure. you've had your own struggles. And, yeah. and so tell me, how do you think that's affected your, your leadership being honest that, you know, you've really struggled with sexual addiction stuff before? Yeah. Referring back to that, our men's conference a year or two ago, I did one of the sessions and shared my testimony and what I learned and the sin and mistakes and how God has helped me. And it is, it's, it's kind of embarrassing and awkward to be like, I am talking publicly to a room full of a hundred men about my sexual sin. And, but you go, I got to do it because if I don't speak about it, there'll be 80 guys in the room that are struggling and they just think it's just me. So as soon as I verbalize, Hey dude, I blow it and I've messed up and this is my story and this is how God has helped me. After that event, Guys came up to me and guys were crying, shaking my hand. And over the last couple of years, I've had multiple men in our church stop me and say, you know, that weekend, that men's conference was a turning point in my whole life. And it's when it specifically comes to porn and masturbation, it was like, I just needed to like hear God's truth, hear some brothers struggle with it and hear how God is helping those brothers, what practical things they're doing. And God has used it. So, yeah. 
we confess our sin, we find healing, and God also uses it to change lives. And it's so th- those are the, the encouraging moments as a leader to go, hey, God is going to actually use my brokenness and how He's helping me work through this to teach these guys. Have you had uh, negatives about you being a leader that is open about your personal story and your personal sexual sin? Yeah, anytime you're vulnerable and you share, not specifically about that conference, but over the yeah. years when I'll preach in a sermon and I'll share some marriage thing where I was mean to my wife. I use the word self-disclosure. Yeah. You have some self-disclosure. Yeah, share something in a sermon. I've had people that have pushed back and said, you overshared, or why did you say that, or I can't. So there's, I go, we're all wrestling with this garbage, marriage issues, parenting issues, money issues. So we got to be vulnerable about the disclosures and go, I, I'm going to share and how God has helped me and how God's word is living and active and it's giving me grace in these situations. And, but I'd say by and large, my experience personally has been overwhelmingly positive that it's people respond. Me too, dude. I wrestle with that too. Like that's been the reaction over and over again to those vulnerable, awkward, Mm -hmm. I'm going to share something that's kind of private right now. Yeah. Well, I can relate to that a hundred percent. That's been my whole, um, you know, I, I intentionally started the blog a couple yeah. of years ago and I was not real sober and I don't have the sobriety that you have at this point. I'm not, you know, where I can be like, Oh yeah, three years, you know, and, and I did that on purpose because people think that's the only people who can share too. Right? right. Like you should only share if like, you know, we for sure know, like you're not a screw up. Right. right. Like as long as you're a shiny, perfect example and um, I've had a lot when I share that it's really positive, you yeah. know, because people go, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. And, you know, yeah. that's real. And and um, I think there are some people who will, will always struggle with that authenticity. But I think often there are people who aren't ready to be authentic. Yeah. And I and I think of the Brene Brown definition of shame. Right. And she says, the less you talk about it the more you have. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so you, you will. You'll run in, particularly I think in the ministry, you'll run into leaders who don't want to self-disclose, who don't right. want to talk. So you probably get some pushback, anonymous person, anonymous yeah. leader, that um, as, you, as you share and you're open. Um, but I think another part of that too is, and they say this in therapy, so if you go back to the 1980s, early 90s, you did not self-disclose anything as a therapist. You never talked mm-hmm. about your marriage, your life. That was a no, no. Um, and now in therapy, tons of people self-disclose. Mm-hmm. And they found it's a great tool for empathy and it happens. And the line that they draw is, is this self-disclosure about you as the therapist getting therapy? Or is the self-disclosure to help that person? Right. Yeah. And that's the line, right? Yeah. And when you self-disclose to help that person, it will help you too. Um, but I think that's a great thing. And so there may be some specific leaders in his congregation where he, maybe he knows them really well and says, oh, yeah, they're not. Yeah. They're not ever going to change. But, but I mean, I guess my, my two cents from over here would be, you know, they probably have some things they need to work on, too. And it's probably their own shame that keeps yeah. them from getting on this page. But, you know, you're a good example. The shot sharing is a good thing. Yeah. Right? And I th- Every week I meet with guys and we talk about finance issues and parenting issues and marriage issues and purity porn issues. It's like a just meeting with guys in the church talking about their life and what they're dealing with. They, Dude, I'm totally wrestling with financial issues and credit card debt. I'm going bankrupt. I'm like, dude, I've been there. My wife and I didn't have a budget. And you just start talking about your story. And you, you share, like, dude, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to like be running out of money and going broke. And here's truth from God's word 
We're all sinners. We're all tempted. We all blow it. Here's God's word. Here's God's truth. Here's stuff that God has taught me. And then parent, oh, my kids are so crazy and they never listen to me and they're wild. And dude, oh yeah, totally. Kids are crazy. But here's God's truth on how you love them and discipline them and train them and help them. It's like marriage and purity. It's like that self-disclosure piece as a leader is, in my mind, foundational. You have to be like, dude, I'm a real person like you too. I blow it too. Here's how God's helping me. Like that pattern, not I know all the answers. I never sin. Tell me your issues. I go, and we're all, the Bible says we're all sinners. Well, well and people know the authenticity, right? Yeah. There's very different from you saying, oh yeah, I, I financially struggled before. Mm-hmm. I can relate to you. That's very different than being able to be like, oh yeah, I remember when I just got out of college. Like a real authentic yeah. story about like, yeah. no, like I really, like we were jacked up. Like yeah. it was bad. Right. Like, so those are, those are two different things. Right. And, um, yeah, I, I I think that's great. And so again, specific resources. Um, the one that I, the only specific resource I recommend is a first step. And then I think you should do everything Josh is telling you is, um, the LDS church does their own version of the 12 step. Very Christian. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be offended coming to it as a, as a non Mormon you come to it and feel fine about it. Um, but since your congregation is not Mormon, the odds of you showing up to a Mormon 12 step and finding any members of your congregation, there's probably zero. Um, so if you needed that safe group and in that, you know, for sure is like in a different Christian camp. Um, and I believe it's, you could Google it, but I think it's, uh, addiction recovery.lds.org or something like that. It's it's on my resources page. So that might be a good, like if you just need somewhere to unload this at first and and have it be anonymous to get you started, to give you a little courage, um, that might be a good thing. Josh, you've got the rest of the good advice. Yeah, I'm sure there's, I mean, we try to create those sort of groups within our church just here Mm -hmm. locally where we have, Mm -hmm. we call them like, Band of brothers or iron on iron, like group of men in the church getting together to talk about. So, this. give me what a local one is here, because our anonymous question, uh, they may be here, they may be somewhere else in the world. But if they're here, where could they well, Google I'm or look? Specifically at? within the Rock Church, we mm-hmm. have oh, a uh-huh. number of men's groups. Okay. But then in the city, there's Sex Addicts Anonymous, which I believe uh-huh. is a 12 step program. Yep. But I, I don't know of a, I'm sure there is one, but I don't know of a Christian evangelical Christian group right now. Nope. Top but looking for brotherhood with pastors. Cause he said that's yep. a big one. Yep. So if he's here locally, how could he find that? If he's here in Salt Lake area. If he's here in Salt Lake, I would encourage him to find, maybe if he's afraid to talk to his denomination, I'd say you yep. should develop a friendship with a godly pastor in the valley, specifically with the intention of, I'm going to start confessing my sin and get this out in the open with a brother in the church, not in the church, but outside of his church, who's a pastor can relate to them but can start so if you were going to do that how would you do it so you're here at the rock church everyone at the rock is super judgmental and mean they're not but we're using a hypothetical here and so you were looking to connect with a pastor outside of the rock organization yeah how would you do it i've personally gotten to know pastors that go to a variety of churches so i'd probably call one of them up and go dude i want to start sitting how did you start doing that personally yeah i started talking to my co-pastors so i've been able to do it locally within my church but i'm saying there's k2 there's south mountain there's the rising there there's all these good christian churches in the valley you start reaching out that's kind of how you know those guys yeah you you get to know them they have prayer there's there's networking groups called in specifically in utah there's loving utah and they're standing together and they're two 
Christian pastor networking groups. Boom. So what does he Google? Say those again. Loving Utah or standing together. They're okay. pastor networks. Okay. Get and if they have them here in Utah, they probably have them, well, they have like, all, similar all, stuff yeah, somewhere else, all right? All place. Yeah, so I, he can find this probably wherever he is. Yes. I have pastor buddies that live all over the country, and they tell me about these pastor networking, prayer accountability support groups. So, Boom. There's it. your Google keywords. Find pastor that. networking yeah. Go, groups. If you live in, accountability. You live in Lincoln, Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, pastor And you know he's sitting here being like, damn, how does that guy know I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska? That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, yeah, you... If he's, yeah, he could shoot me an email if it's local and I can point him to one of these groups. But yeah, that's where I would start. And that equivalent, Loving Utah or Standing Together, I'm sure they're all over the country. And I've heard of them in other cities and other states. So that's where you got to start. Find a group of pastors, get to know them, be part of the group, find a trusted brother, confess your sin, and come what may. You want to be right with God? You want to get this sin under life? 100%. Yeah. Well, so to wrap it up, Josh, if, if you had him here, sitting here, what would you tell him? Yeah, the, the verse of that has been a life verse for me in this subject is in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's one of the verses that I've just clung to for years. And God will... God will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. He's going to provide an escape hatch, a way out that I can do what's right in this situation. So even now going, I'm alone in my sin. They're going to fire me. Nobody knows what I'm doing and they're going to think I'm the worst. I go, dude, God does not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's going to provide a way out because he wants you to confess it, to find healing, to find recovery. And even in the moment when you're tempted to look at porn and to masturbate, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will provide a way out. Like that verse is either true or it's not true. It's either the word of God, it's scripture, or it's not true. And if that's the word of God, and I believe it is, and if it's scripture and it's true, that means that this temptation right now to look at that woman lustfully who's not my wife, God will give me the self-control as I learn sobriety and learn these godly habits. And yeah. It takes time. It it's, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, my recovery road was years. Yep. But... That became just my mantra. God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. I have the ability to not look. I have the ability to turn it off. I have the ability to flip away. I have the ability to, by God's grace, through learning godly habits, God can grow me. And I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other brothers' life. And even having been sober sexually for 18 years now, you're driving down the road and some girl is running by. You're tempted to be like, oh, I want to look. And like, no, God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted. I can look just straight ahead and honor my wife and honor my Lord and not look at that gal. Like, that's, to me, that's just a foundational verse that's just grilled in my heart. Like, God is faithful. He will help me. And believe in that and live in it. It's, 100%. Yeah. And I'll give you my quotes on the front page of the blog. It's uh, from Lecrae. There's plenty of people like me, all outsiders like me, yeah. all unashamed and all unafraid yeah. to live out what they're supposed to be. So I don't know where you live. I don't know anything about your church, but this is what I know. There's outsiders. There are men. God is going to put other leaders in your life. He is going to help you connect with people. If you start reaching out, you say, God, I have the courage. Bless me to have the courage, right? Put some grace since I have the courage to reach out. I promise you as you reach out, God 
is going to weave some people into your life. It's crazy the people he's weaved into my life, the people I've met, the people who have helped me in recovery, how I've gotten connected with brothers. It, it's literally just a miracle, and I know those miracles will will happen for you. Yeah. Yeah. If we went out on a song, Josh, what would the song be? All right, anonymous question, listener. We will leave you with this. So we are going to uh, end this podcast episode with Broken Things by Matthew West because although I know you feel super broken right now, um, the Lord is going to turn that around and it's going to make you a better leader, better brother um, to help others. So we hope this was helpful. Um, Josh, thank you yep. for you know being willing to, to sit in here and, and relate right to the yeah. situation. It's just been wonderful having you. Um, invite everyone to subscribe. We're now uh, podcast everywhere, not just iTunes, anywhere where podcasts are found. So um, subscribe by email, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, please visit us. And of course, if anyone's listening and they have any questions they're too afraid to ask anywhere else about sexual addiction, you can totally submit them anonymously on our page, unashamednotafraid.com. And whether it's Josh or a therapist or whoever we need to get, um, we will get someone to answer those questions. So um, stay tuned. Congratulations to my outsiders. Stay in recovery. Good work. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Josh. If grace was a kingdom, I stopped at the gate Thinking I don't deserve to pass through After all the mistakes that I've made Oh, but I heard a whisper As heaven bent down Said, child, don't you know That the first will be last And the last get a crown
With gates open wide And there's a seat at the table Just waiting for you So come on inside